You are listening to episode 12 of the Catholic Foodie. Go to Joseph. My name is Jeff Young, the Catholic Foodie, and this episode is dedicated to St. Joseph, husband of Mary, foster father of Jesus, protector of the universal church, terror of demons. Though St. Joseph had a non-speaking part in the Gospels, his faith and actions speak volumes. Over and over again throughout the centuries, the church has encouraged devotion to St. Joseph. In the East, this devotion has been there since the 4th century, and it has now spread to the entire church. The first Western church dedicated in his honor was in 1129 in Bologna. Pope Sixtus IV added the Feast of St. Joseph to the Roman calendar. Pope Pius IX placed the whole church under the patronage of St. Joseph in 1870, and there are numerous saints who had a great devotion to him. St. Teresa of Avila, St. Bernard, St. Thomas Aquinas, St. Gertrude, St. Bridget of Sweden, and St. Alphonsus. There are many stories about the miraculous intervention of St. Joseph, from ending a famine, a great famine in Sicily, to building a staircase in New Mexico, to selling houses, protecting families, finding employment, and safeguarding the virtue of purity. St. Joseph is a very busy saint. No wonder the church encourages us to go to Joseph. And today in all our needs, we are encouraged to go to Joseph. And so devotion to Joseph and answered prayers are on the menu today at the Catholic Foodie, where food meets faith. Life moves pretty fast. You don't stop and look around once in a while. You could miss it. Today is the feast day of St. Joseph, and as I mentioned just a moment ago, the church encourages us always to go to Joseph. And before we begin uh, speaking about uh, devotion in general to St. Joseph and different types of devotion to St. Joseph, I'd like to tell you why I chose this particular phrase uh, as the title of this episode. It comes from the Old Testament. If you remember in the Old Testament, there was a very important Joseph. This was the Joseph who was sold into slavery by his brothers, the same one who interpreted Pharaoh's dream accurately for him, and the very same Joseph who was put in a position of power by, by the Pharaoh uh, to govern all of Egypt. The only person in Egypt at that time more powerful than Joseph was the Pharaoh. And if you remember... He predicted that there'd be seven fat years, right? Seven years of, of um, uh, abundance and then seven years of famine. And so he went to work doing what he could to help Egypt through this, this time of, of feast and famine. And, and we see, we see where, where uh, this phrase comes from in Genesis chapter 41, verse 53. This is right after the famine had started. It says, seven years of abundance in Egypt came to an end, and the seven years of famine began, just as Joseph had said. There was famine in all the other lands, but in the whole land of Egypt there was food. When all Egypt began to feel the famine, the people cried to Pharaoh for food. 
Then Pharaoh told all the Egyptians, go to Joseph and do what he tells you. I, I believe this phrase is very appropriate for St. Joseph. Um, as we're going to see in a minute, St. Teresa of Avila has a great, great devotion to St. Joseph. And you can see why she, she really went to St. Joseph at all her needs. And we're going to talk about that in just a second. But it's very appropriate uh, this phrase, go to Joseph. And I'm not the first person to make this connection between Joseph in the Old Testament and St. Joseph. I've come across many different uh, magazine articles, newspaper articles, even a book at one point. Uh, at the, I don't know if it's still in print, but there was a book entitled Go to Joseph, right? Uh, so it's, it's a popular, I guess, analogy or connection between Joseph in the Old Testament and St. Joseph. Uh, but to, to go to him because he's the one that can take care of us. He's the one that can answer our prayers. And we'll talk more about that in a minute too. First, I want to talk to you a little bit about devotion in general. When we say we have devotion to somebody, what, what do we mean? What do we mean? Well, in, in my work with, um, with teenagers, I often try to kind of break things down for them and explain things in a, in a modern way, like trying to stay away from uh, the, the traditional language of, of, uh, of Catholic spirituality or uh, Catholic theology. And not, not that I don't use the language, I use it, but when I'm trying to explain something to them, because I want them to know the, the terminology, but in, in explaining something to them, I try not to use it at all. I try to give them kind of like a mental picture or an analogy or some sort of a modern-day kind of an explanation for them so they can really kind of grasp what I'm talking about. So if you talk about devotion to a saint, what does that mean? It means that you look at a particular saint as a guide, as a companion on the way, as a friend, as someone who can be your patron to pray for you, uh, to be with you, uh, who could help you to learn how to pray, who could help you to learn how to grow in virtue, right? Many, many different ways that we can have devotions, or have a devotion to a saint. And it's really not that far-fetched. I mean, yeah, typically we can't hear saints talking to us, but we are part of the communion of saints, right? So we, we are in contact with heaven through our prayers, and so we can communicate with the saints in heaven. So to have a, the way I explain it to teenagers is to have a particular devotion, or a devotion to a particular saint, rather, is, is really to kind of become a friend of that particular saint and to ask them to pray for you in a special way. And whenever you have any kind of concerns, uh, not that you don't pray to God, right, because we are commanded even in scriptures, in the scriptures, to pray to God. So we pray to God, we go to Jesus, who's the one mediator, but St. Joseph, who's the, uh, take him as an example, St. Joseph and the Virgin Mary, we'll take both of them as, as an example of devotion. We have devotion to the saints. We can only praise and, and worship God, right? We have devotion to the saints, and we can venerate the saints. So we go to Joseph and Mary, and we can say, you know, they knew Jesus so well, of course. They, they raised him as a child, and we could say, hey, pray for us for this situation. And doesn't it make sense that they, in a way, they know Jesus better than anybody, that they can kind of, I don't even know theologically how to explain this, but they can sort of present our prayers to Jesus in, in the best way possible or to join them with their own prayer, which is so powerful. 
Uh, so this is kind of like what, what devotion is about. So we can go to Joseph for certain things. And Joseph is the foster father of Jesus. And so he has a special relationship with Jesus. And perhaps our prayers can be a little stronger because Joseph is praying for us and with us. So before we get too far into, uh, into talking about devotion, I want to read to you something that St. Teresa of Avila wrote. Now, St. Teresa of Avila is a doctor of the church, and she had a very strong devotion to St. Joseph. And she writes, I took St. Joseph for my patron and advocate, and I recommend myself unceasingly to his protection. I do not remember ever to have asked anything of him that I did not obtain. It seems as though God gives to other saints the grace to assist us in some certain necessity, but according to my experience, St. Joseph assists us in every want. Our Lord, wishing to make us understand that, as he was obedient to his foster father here on earth, so now he cannot refuse anything, uh, any of his requests in heaven. Many persons who have invoked him by advice have experienced this truth, and the number of his clients increases daily and corroborates what I declare. For several years past, I have asked a special favor at his festival, and it has always been granted. If the request was not judicious, he has denied it for my greater good. I implore those who do not credit this to make the trial for themselves. Let him who has no guide in the way of prayer take this great patriarch for his director. He will not go astray. So she challenges people. She challenges us. If you don't give this credit, if you don't think what I'm saying is right, try it. Try it yourself. Make a trial of it yourself and see if I'm not right. Joseph is a powerful saint. He's a busy saint, and he does answer prayer. devotions to St. Joseph uh, tend to uh, form around titles, the titles that he has, so, such as uh, protector of the universal church, protector of families, uh, he's the patron of fathers and husbands, um, this, this, you know, he's known as uh, protector of purity, I believe, I don't know if that's the exact title. Uh, one of his titles is terror of demons, that's a pretty awesome title, not bad for a guy who in the Gospels didn't say a word, uh, but he was so holy he lives such a life of sanctity and virtue that he does terrify the demons. So devotions tend to revolve around uh, these different titles. And, you know, for myself as a husband and father, uh, I look to St. Joseph uh, as, as a guide, as a, as a model, uh, for sure. And also as somebody uh, like a companion on the way, somebody who can pray for me and help me uh, advance in, the, uh, in the, the virtues I need to grow in. And also uh, to learn how to pray better. And I go to him also for uh, intentions that I have, things that typically have to do with my family or my job, things of, of that nature. I tend to go to St. Joseph for that. Uh, many different ways of, uh, of devotions, right, of having a devotion. Uh, prayers, special prayers. St. Bernard wrote, uh, St. Bernard of Clairvaux wrote a special memorare of St. Joseph. 
Now, this is the same saint, St. Bernard, who wrote the Memorare of the Blessed Virgin Mary, right? Remember, O most uh, gracious Virgin Mary, that never was it known, that prayer. Uh, he also wrote one uh, for St. Joseph, so that's pretty cool. Um, there's novenas, right, the nine days of prayer. Uh, matter of fact, someone gave me a while back, this is years ago now, a 30-day novena to St. Joseph that, quote-unquote, has never been known to fail, right? Um, I have prayed that novena a number of times in my life, and uh, I, I, I'm very fond of it. Anytime I think of doing a novena to St. Joseph, uh, I, I, I do that one. I, I find it very difficult to do just a nine-day novena to St. Joseph because the prayers that are uh, part of this 30-day novena are beautiful. So I love, uh, I love doing that one. And what I'll do is I'll see if they have that online, and I'll try to put it in the show notes in case you are interested. Uh, they have statues of St. Joseph. You can have statues in your house or in, maybe in a little, uh, little grotto out in your yard uh, to St. Joseph. Churches uh, named after St. Joseph, right? There are churches named in his honor. Um, there's so many different things, uh, different ways of showing devotion to St. Joseph. You could simply carry on a conversation with him you know, as if, as if he were right here, uh, if you were a, fr a friend of St. Joseph, right? And that is a, it's, it's prayer. So that's another way of showing devotion to St. Joseph. Some people use what's called a cord of St. Joseph. It's a string of sorts uh, that is worn around, around the uh, waist. And I believe it, it has to do with purity, the virtue of purity. So there are different knots on the cord, and there are certain prayers that go with each knot. But you wear it around your waist as a reminder and also as like a, a sacramental, uh, asking God through the intercession of St. Joseph for the virtue of purity. And of course, you have the big feast day. Here we are. We're on the feast day of St. Joseph today. And uh, there are many special celebrations around the world for St. Joseph on this day. But before I talk about that, I want to say, very interesting, that the feast of St. Joseph, March 19th, is always in Lent. Did you know that? It's always in Lent. So it's funny, in, in certain areas of the world, especially certain uh, cities or countries that are particularly dedicated uh, to St. Joseph, on his feast day, and in many of these places, they will be dispensed from the regulations of Lent. So if St. Joseph's day was to happen on, uh, on a Friday in Lent, for instance, in Spain, in a certain area of Spain where there's a particular devotion to St. Joseph, uh, they would be dispensed with the regulation that you can't eat meat on Friday for that day. Same thing in Italy, in certain places in Italy, the same, the same thing. Very interesting. I don't think that that applies to us here in the States, but uh, there are large pockets of St. Joseph devotees in the United States as well. Uh, two quick stories, just two quick stories uh, about St. Joseph and devotion to him. I guess some odd devotions to St. Joseph before I go into talking about the St. Joseph altars that I was able to visit the last uh, week or so. Uh, the first story has to do with a special job that St. Joseph has taken on, apparently, apparently, uh, in modern times. Now, story or rumor has it that it started with St. Teresa of Avila, but those rumors are, have not been confirmed. Uh, have you ever thought about hiring St. Joseph as your real estate agent? Because he is apparently in the home-selling business. That's right. You can get a statue of St. Joseph 
uh, online or at a Catholic bookstore, and you can bury that, that statue in the ground, say some prayers, and your house will sell. At least that's, that is what it purports to do, right? Um, you may have heard about this. Uh, you may have even done this. Uh, it, it is a, a devotion that really has caught on fire, I'd say, the last uh, decade or so, and in the 90s, early 90s, I think is when it really kind of caught on in the United States. Uh, but it goes all the way back to St. Teresa of Avila, who, it is said, when she was out looking to found convents, to establish convents, she needed land. So whenever she came across a place, uh, a piece of land that she liked and she wanted for a convent, she would bury uh, some medals of St. Joseph. And, you know, story goes that uh, she always got the land that she needed. So that's where, the I guess, the idea comes from. But in recent times, they started to bury statues of St. Joseph if you want to, buy, uh, want to sell your house. I don't know where exactly that came from. But I know that uh, for a, for a, in many areas, they even have real estate agents going out, buying the statues and burying them in the houses that they're trying to sell. So uh, it's interesting. This particular devotion caught my eye uh, a few years back when I was trying to sell my house. And I came across this devotion, and I thought, wow, this is really interesting. It, it really kind of piqued my curiosity. And at the same time, I was almost sort of like, golly, this sounds sort of superstitious, you know. Um, but I, I read about it. I looked it up. I did some research. And, um, you know, there's even a book out now about something like St. Saint, uh, Saint Joseph, my real estate agent, something to that effect. But what really caught my attention is the fact that so many people give testimony to the fact that it works. That caught my attention. So many people, whether it's online, on a website dealing with this, or in an article that's online that I read that interviewed people, or the book right on St. Joseph, the real estate agent, no matter where you looked, you always have a lot of people testifying that this works. So I started wondering why. Why is it that this seems to work? And this is, this is how I, I look at it, and this is just my two cents. I think that it's a devotion that could very easily fall into abuse and you know, particularly superstition. However, I also think it's a very powerful devotion because it demands a step in faith. It demands that somebody step out in faith, right? And if you look in the Gospels, what does Jesus love so much? He loves faith. People who had faith were healed. He could do lots of good things with faith. But if they were faithless, he could do nothing. So he loves faith. So it really is a step out in faith. It's not just me kneeling down at my bed at night or standing up or kneeling down in my living room and whispering a hopeful prayer that my house will sell. This is a specific prayer prayed for the selling of the house and an action, putting your faith into action and going out and actually burying the statue in your yard. It's a step out in faith. And I think because of that, you will see a lot of these prayers answered because it is a step out in faith. Um, and that's interesting. If you don't know about it, what, what you do, you have some set prayers that you say or kind of traditional prayers you say, uh, dedicating the house to St. Joseph and asking him uh, to help you to sell it. And then you uh, bury the statue in the ground. And many uh, sources say that you're supposed to bury him upside down facing the street. And then once the house sells and all the papers have been signed and it's a done deal, then you uh, dig him up 
and you put him in a place of honor in your new house, like on the mantle or something. So that's, that's the devotion in a nutshell. And uh, when we sold our house, we didn't do that. I did get a statue of St. Joseph, and I put it on the mantle, and we did, ha- did have special prayers to St. Joseph, but I could never kind of get up the, the gumption to actually go and bury him out in the yard. Uh, but like I said, I am fascinated because so many people um, testify to the fact that it does indeed work. So if you're selling a house, you may want to consider it. You could look it up online, something about St. Joseph house selling or home selling, and you'll get tons of links uh, that show up about, uh, about that topic. Now, uh, in, a, in, a related, uh, in a related story, uh, I, I used to work for a nonprofit organization, and we, uh, I was a grant writer and a project manager, and we used to take – we worked very closely, by the way, with the Archdiocese of New Orleans, and in conjunction with them, we used to take abandoned churches. We had lots of abandoned churches down in New Orleans because uh, it was a very Catholic area, and anyway, we have a lot of abandoned churches. So we would go in, take those buildings – uh, leave the structure, but renovate the entire thing and convert it into like um, apartments for the elderly, apartments for the disabled, apartments for the poor, uh, just into to housing. And of course, it's a, it's all run by a Catholic company, so there was like chapels in every location, and and uh, it was very nice. Um, in one of these locations, one of these churches, a Saint Anne's Church, it was actually the National Shrine to St. Anne uh, for a long time, and then that shrine was actually moved to a different location. But in the back of the church, there is a grotto to St. Joseph, and it's in a fenced-in or a gated area. And it's in a, a, a kind of a run-down area of New Orleans. It's, they're trying to revitalize it now or revive it now. It's in the Treme area of New Orleans, not too far from downtown. And this, this grotto has a statue of St. Joseph, which you can tell in certain places is kind of wearing down from people coming and praying and, and touching the statue, um, which is really cool. You know, it's kind of like St. Peter's Basilica with the statue of St. Peter, and his foot is kind of just, I don't know, it has no shape to it, right? It's like a semicircle because people touching it, rubbing it, praying, and it kind of wears down. Same thing with St. Joseph here. And the interesting thing about this grotto is all at the feet of St. Joseph, and some even stuck like in his arms and behind him, all over the place are thousands of house keys. Thousands of house keys. I wish I had a picture. It was amazing. I'd never seen anything like that. And apparently the, the story goes like this. Whenever people would buy a house, so first of all, they would pray in that area. They would pray to St. Joseph to buy a house. And whenever they... they uh, they bought a house, they would come back and in thanksgiving to St. Joseph, and as a sign of dedicating their house to St. Joseph, they would give him a key to the house. It's pretty cool, huh? Um, and when I first saw that, my first thought was, goodness gracious, somebody could get the key to your house and break in. And then I realized, there's probably more than 1,000, 2,000 keys down here. I don't think <laughs> they're going to be able to pick your key out and get into your house. So... Um, Beautiful devotion is, once again, something that's it's like stepping out in faith. Beautiful devotion, and uh, I was really touched by that. Oh, you got to taste this! This is, oh, it's got this kind of, mm, it's burning, melty, it's not really a smoky taste. It, it, it's a certain, oh, it, it's kind of like a, you know, it's got like this boom sap kind of taste. Don't you think? What, what would you call that flavor? Lightning-y? Yeah. 
It's lightning-y! Oh, we gotta do that again! Okay, when the next storm comes, we'll go up on the roof. I know what this needs! Saffron! A little saffron would make this! Saffron. Why do I get the feeling it's, it's in, in the, the kitchen. kitchen? Well, we're not going in the kitchen exactly. We're actually going to go to a St. Joseph altar uh, down here in South Louisiana. There's a large uh, population of Italians, uh, Sicilians, uh, I think, to be more specific. And in the New Orleans area and, and, and between here and Baton Rouge, it's, it's a tradition every year to have a St. Joseph altar. Now, they have them in other places in the world, I know. Uh, I'm not sure. Uh, I think some places call them a St. Joseph table. I don't know if that's the same thing as a St. Joseph altar. I couldn't find that out before recording this episode. Uh, but I know in Sicily in particular, uh, this is a huge, huge uh, devotion. It's a huge uh, feast day for them. And, uh, and, it, and the ones that we celebrate here are related to the ones in Sicily. And we're going to hear a little bit about that. I, I do have a sound clip from the, uh, uh, the St. Joseph altar I visited uh, last week. And I'm going to share that with you. But I'll just say that it has to do with the fact that there was a great famine in Sicily uh, a while back. I don't remember how, how long ago it is. It may have been in the 1800s. I can't remember. And uh, people were dying. It was terrible. And they prayed to St. Joseph, prayed a novena, and uh, St. Joseph came through for them. So these altars, it was like a promise, I believe. These altars are erected in his honor every year. And they're full of food. It's unbelievable. It's like they're celebrating the feast after the famine. So St. Joseph, you got a statue of St. Joseph. There's a three-tiered altar. Um, there, there are cookies, Italian cookies all over the place. There's um, uh, just so much food. You know, they serve pasta melanese and, and, and so many diff- different dishes um, with breads, tons of different kinds of breads. And little little desserts and the, the, the many different kinds of cookies. So many things. They also have like this, uh, decorative breads. These breads that have been shaped into like saws and things like that. Uh, crosses or the Eucharist or a chalice and or a fish. It's just beautiful. And the way that they're so, um, oh, goodness, what's the word? I say fancy, you know, uh, with beautiful colors and just laid out so well candles burning, bottles of wine on the on the altar, and it's a huge celebration. So without further ado, let's take a listen to the um, uh, the altar I went to last week. This was at St. Paul's. It wasn't on the feast day of St. Joseph. We could not arrange the schedule for school to allow us to do it on St. Joseph's feast day today, so we did it last Friday. So last Friday, 800-and-something students we got to participate in a St. Joseph altar, which is actually a tradition at our school now. This is the third year, I believe, that we've had it. And I was able to talk to the orchestrator uh, of the event, Dr. Ann K. Lagarbo. And let's listen right now and see what, uh, what she had to share with us. Well, I'm here right now with uh, Dr. Ann K. Lagarbo at a St. Joseph altar. And uh, Dr. Ann, would you mind sharing with us a little bit about... Uh, what the St. Joseph Altar is all about. I'll be happy to. The St. Joseph Altar is a tradition that dates back to the Middle Ages. And it stems from a great drought that the Sicilians suffered in the Middle Ages. And during that drought, legend has it that most of the rivers dried up and most of the streams dried up and the, the um, food from the sea, even the, the fish, uh, was diminished in great numbers. And thousands upon thousands of Sicilians famished wow. because of this drought. 
they had to subsist uh, off of um, the fava bean, which is a very hardy um, bean that grows in the rocky, dry terrain of Sicily. Prior to the famine, however, the fava bean was used as cow fodder. Oh, wow. And so they used it to feed to their cattle. But they survived off of this bean, which is a protein. And because of that bean um, sustaining their life, they referred to it as the lucky bean because they were indeed lucky to have it. Um, but being uh, very devout um, Catholics in Sicily, they prayed to their patron saint, who was St. Joseph. And they prayed very fervently that he would deliver them from their drought. And they promised in return that if he would do that, they would forever honor him. And so the rains came, and they came, and they came, and they came. And they filled up the rivers, and they filled up the streams, and the vegetation came back. And true to their promise, every year on St. Joseph's Day, many people, uh, many Italians of Sicilian heritage, not only um, uh, around the Mediterranean, but also here in uh, South uh, United States, mm -hmm honor him with a traditional St. Joseph altar. And most St. Joseph altars are indeed um, erected in Thanksgiving mm -hmm. to a promise received, just like the original one was. Wow. And, and is there some kind of connection there with, with Thanksgiving? And, and I mean, you head this thing up and every year. We're I at St. Paul's, and I know you have your sons are here, mm -hmm. and your husband's here. Mm -hmm. um, and you're the one that started orchestrating this, what, two, three years ago, three years ago well, maybe? Well, three years ago here at St. Paul's, and, I, and this is actually my 10th year doing it. For oh, the wow. previous seven years, I had done it at uh, St. Peter's Elementary mm -hmm. School. Um, and it was uh, a promise that my mother and I made 12 years ago um, that my oldest brother, who was in a tremendous illness, and an illness that was consuming him, mm -hmm. would be saved from his illness. And there was at that point no point of return for him. And uh, we knelt on our knees um, in her home and, and made this promise that if he were saved and spared from this terrible illness, that we would honor him on his feast day with a fabulous altar. And within two months, his life was turned around, and he is celebrating his 61st birthday this wow. year and is alive and well and healthy. And so I have continued uh, to keep my promise. My mother did help me for the first three years, um, no, more than that, until 2003 when she passed away, mm -hmm. and then I've continued on since. Wow, so thank, big thank you to St. Joseph. Big thank you to St. Joseph. Wow. Uh, and the, the thing, I think when people think of St. Joseph altars, one of the things that jumps to mind, first of all, is just the food. It's like a, right. a, a, an abundance of food. Of it, course, you've got the, the cookies, but you've got so much, so many other things here. Right, and there are some things that are traditional to a St. Joseph altar. Of course, all the cookies are traditional uh, Italian holiday cookies, the cucidadas, which are the fig cookies. But there's some very special um, cookies like the uh, jujulani, which are the sesame seed cookies, and the asse di morte, which are, it means bones of the dead in Italian. And they represent the the bones of the many Sicilians who died. Wow. Um, you have to have chocolate-covered almonds that signify the seed of the Holy Spirit. And so there's certain things that you have to have on an altar that have significance um, to the time period that we were talking about. You have to have uh, pasta melanese, which is a, a red gravy with a fish stock okay. instead of your um, traditional stock. It's a fish stock. Um, and it's dusted with a uh, sweetened breadcrumb um, coating called mudica, which represent the sawdust of, of St. Joseph. So everything has a very spiritual meaning. And what I hoped at St. Paul's is for the boys to not only soak in the cultural aspects of this, but the religious aspects of it and the great faith that is involved in producing an altar and in carrying on the tradition of an altar. And, and besides the food, something else that uh, 
is very characteristic of uh, St. Joseph Altars is the, the fava beans. The fava beans. The fava beans are the, the lucky beans. And the lucky beans were the beans that sustained the Sicilians. And the, the legend of the lucky bean is that um, you're supposed to get three representing the Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit. Oh, okay. And you keep them in your pocket. And uh, Sicilians say that you never go hungry and you never go without a coin in your purse wow. as long as you carry around the fava beans. Well, I wish I knew you needed three because I've been having <laughs> just one. Every year I get one. I'll get so you a couple more. So maybe that's why I need uh, more luck, I guess. I'll get you a couple more. Um, also wanted to ask you about uh, how long it takes to prepare this this altar. I mean, this is a lot of food. It's obviously a lot of work. This is a lot of, well, we're feeding 850 plus boys. Wow. And so the spaghetti sauce I actually start making right after Christmas. Mm-hmm. We have 30 gallons of spaghetti sauce. And so it takes about um, three solid weeks to make the spaghetti sauce. And that's all frozen and prepared. Um, the, we had about 800 cannoli. And I do that right after the spaghetti sauce. But because the cookies have to be fresh... We don't start the cookies for 10 days before the altar. And so all 8,000 of these cookies were made within the past 10 days. Oh, my goodness. How and many it's cookies? a labor of about 8,000. Oh, my goodness. Wow. Yes. And, and as you can see, they're, they're doing they're, them in they're pretty going, well. <laughs> well, these boys, teenage boys can eat. So. Yes, yes. Um, and uh, who... who Pays for all of this. How do you? I mean, this Everything is, is donated. We, we beg for donations, and um, we receive monetary donations. We also receive um, donations of food items. CISO mm-hmm. has been wonderful in donating flour and sugar for us every year. Uh, uh, several hundred pounds of flour, several hundred pounds of sugar, and things that we need to actually create um, the cookies. Oh wow! Yeah. So we get monetary donations, and we get donations of staples. Um, and then, of course, if you've seen here, it, it, it takes uh, 65 to 75 moms to pull this thing off yeah. because we have got to feed all these boys within 25 minutes. Oh, my and, goodness. And, and it, they're wonderful, and it, it's working beautifully. And, I mean, the, one, the good thing about this here at St. Paul's, I know the religion classes throughout the day, they get to come and they hear the story. They get to hear the story. They get to study the artwork. They get to study... Um, the different types of cookies and everything is labeled so that they know what the significance of it is. And uh, I wasn't here early this morning, but the, the altar was blessed, I assume. The altar was blessed by a deacon for us early this morning, and the boys know um, that once the food is blessed, we can only dispose of it by feeding it to animals or by burying it. And once again, there's so many people involved. The maintenance crew has been just paramount and not only setting up the tables for us, but they also go the extra yard and they dig a hole and take care of burying the food for us. So yeah. it's, it's a, a, truly a village that puts on this altar. Well, thank you so much. You're quite uh, welcome. You know, this is, this is the Catholic foodie. It's all about food and faith. And I think the St. Joseph altar is a beautiful example of how those two things work together. Thank you very much. Thank you, Dr. You're welcome. Appreciate it. Well, that was my experience, uh, my interview with Dr. Ann K. Lagarbo. Uh, last Friday, and I mean it was amazing. It was beautiful, and this is you know as, as I said, this is the third year that I've attended one there at uh, at St. Paul's, and it was beautiful, and it's amazing. Eight thousand plus cookies there. I mean the the, the table spans the entire. This is, this is like a, an assembly center, like a uh, we call it the student center, and it spans you know the majority of that space uh, is just the altar itself. And beautiful. I have pictures. I'm going to put them up on the website. Uh, make sure to check that out at uh, catholicfoodie.com. And um, it was just a real joy. It's such a joy to see uh, the, the students, of course, 
kind of learning more about St. Joseph and being touched, really, in a way, by St. Joseph and devotion to St. Joseph. So uh, a wonderful experience. On Saturday, the very very next day, there was another St. Joseph altar that uh, the family and I, we, we attended. And this was at uh, Andale Jeweler. It was at a business uh, in Mandeville. And the, the, uh, the proprietor, proprietor is, uh, is Catholic. And so I'm, I actually her two sons were at uh, St. Paul's. And uh, at least the two sons of hers that I know. I don't know if she has older sons. But anyway, uh, so she had this uh, St. Joseph altar at her business. And I, I was able to grab her for uh, a moment or two to, to talk with her. So let's listen to see what she had to say. Over here at uh, Andale Jewelers, correct? Yep. Uh, and we're here with Miss uh, Mrs. Andale at a St. Joseph altar. It's, uh, it's beautiful, by the way. Thank you, thank you. Beautiful. Uh, what is the uh, the inspiration or the, the reason behind this particular altar? How long is this interview? Just a couple. Of, just <laughs> no, a couple of minutes. <laughs> About a year ago, I created a piece of jewelry called the Lucky Bean, like the oh, New Orleans okay. Lucky Bean, which right, everyone's right. familiar with, the Baba Bean, yeah. which that tradition was brought from Sicily here to New Orleans by the Sicilian immigrants. So I produce a piece of jewelry, and part of the proceeds I donate to like Covington Food Bank, certain organizations, nonprofit groups that um, feed the poor. And uh, I really wanted to know a little more about my tradition, my heritage, my culture, and what really goes into all of that behind the scenes. You right. know? Um, so that's why I did it. I did it in my house. I did an altar, St. Joseph altar in my house yesterday, last year. Yesterday, last year, I did a St. Joseph altar. And um, it just, a lot of people came, and it, the word of mouth grew, and I thought, oh, I don't know if my house could hold all these people, so I decided to put it in my business. And so for the first time, it's here in the community. And one of the reasons why I thought it would be such a nice idea is to give back to the community and reach out to the community. Because if you are not in, uh, involved in a, a Catholic church that exhibits a St. Joseph altar, mm-hmm. you really don't get to see one, visit one, and be a right. part of it. Right. And you don't have to be Catholic to be a participant in the celebration of St. Joseph. So this was an opportunity for me to reach out to the community, to all you know people of faith, Christian right. faiths, right. to come and um, celebrate the feast day. And it's a, it's a wonderful testimony to devotion to St. Joseph. Absolutely. You know, it happens uh, once a year, but at the same time, people come and they kind of get inspired, maybe. You know? Absolutely. And, and he, hear, St. Joseph's contagious. He's contagious. And he doesn't do anything small. Everything right. grows with him. That's right. And I've heard so many stories of answered prayer from uh, St. Joseph, and it's, it's really been... Um, I, mean, I look forward to the altars every year. So. Well, thank you so much. Oh, you're welcome. Well, thank, thank you for putting this on. It's, it's wonderful. Did you enjoy the food? Love it. Did you get your Coochie Dada cookies? I did. Good. I did. Thank you so much. Thank you. Well, that, that interview was supposed to be just a couple of minutes longer. At least I had a, another question or two. But as you heard, uh, my youngest daughter was uh, literally at my feet, jumping up, trying to grab my shoulders and uh, talking away. So it was a little bit distracting. Anyway, uh, it was so good that, uh, that Miss Ann Dale took the time uh, to talk with me and also Dr. Ann K. Lagarbo. Very happy to have interviewed both of them. Well, that pretty much wraps up Episode 12 of The Catholic Foodie. Uh, I want to give you a little um, glimpse, a little peek 
into episode 13, uh, which is going to be about uh, teens, like youth ministry, and fast food. <laughs> so go figure that. Teens, youth ministry, fast food. I'm also going to include sacramental preparation, like for confirmation, into that topic. And that will be episode 13 uh, next week. This Saturdays, in just two days, I'm going to what's called Abbey Fest, Abbey Youth Fest. Down here, it's sponsored by uh, Benedictine Monastery, local Benedictine Monastery here, uh, St. Joseph Abbey. Hey, there you go. we got St. Joseph again. And it's actually my alma mater. Uh, on the grounds of the Abbey, there's also a seminary college. So I attended that seminary college for two years and lived right there at the, at the Abbey. Uh, well, anyway, we have a, a youth fest uh, taking place Saturday. We have thousands of teens from all over uh, the southern uh, region, southern area, uh, southern states here uh, to come and to attend. you got live music, bands, uh, dynamic speakers, and it's an outdoor event. It's like a Catholic Woodstock for teenagers, right? And it's all day long. It starts at like 8 o'clock in the morning, and it doesn't end until 8 o'clock at night. And it ends with a beautiful candlelight procession and benediction. Uh, with the Blessed Sacrament. Beautiful experience. It's always very moving for the teens, and I'm looking forward to it, and I plan on having my recorder handy to talk to teens about youth ministry and confirmation and also fast food. So please join us on episode 13 or for episode 13 next week. And if you have any comments, any comments, questions, anything that you think uh, also that I should maybe ask these teenagers and also uh, youth ministers about the topic for episode 13, please let me know. You can uh, get in touch with me via email at catholicfoodie at gmail.com. You can also call the listener feedback line and leave a message there at 985-635-4974. I look forward to hearing from you, and I'm going to leave you with a song, uh, a St. Joseph song. This is uh, from Cat Chat, if you have young children you may be familiar with Cat Chat or Catholic Chat. I'm going to put a link to them on, uh, uh, on the website. Uh, it's, a, it's a ministry to kids, and it's kind of like a radio show with music and, uh, and acting, and, uh, and it's all geared toward Catholic children. It, it, it supports the faith. It, it sort of catechizes as it tells the story. It's very fun. My kids love it. And every time I think about St. Joseph in music, I think about this one song, and it's for kids, but I just, I love it. So I'm going to end episode uh, 12 with the permission of the people over at Cat Chat, by the way, with this song. And until next time, bon appétit. St. Joseph was truly a man of prayer who was faithful and obedient to God. And just between you and I, I often pray to St. Joseph to help me to be a great teacher and a good papa. Joseph, St. Joseph, was just been. Pray for me, Joseph, St. Joseph, was just been. Pray for me. He worked hard all day, he prayed hard all day. Two things together, that's why we're singing. Joseph, Saint Joseph, was just men. Pray for me, Joseph.
Joseph, was a just man. Pray for me. He is the patron saint of the universal church and of the working people. That's why we're singing. Joseph, Saint Joseph, was a just man. Pray for me. Joseph, Saint Joseph, was a just man. Pray for me. If you want to be a man of integrity, ask Saint Joseph. He will pray for you. He will pray for you. Joseph, Saint Joseph, was the just man. Pray for us. Joseph, Saint Joseph, was the just man.